and welcome to Technically Speaking, where scientists and engineers come together to chat about common interests, share knowledge and satisfy some curiosity. I'm Laura and I'm joined by Jasmine and Ellie to talk about ageing, whether we can delay it or prevent it entirely and whether we would want to. Jasmine, this is another idea that originated from you way back when we started yeah. to stuff. So tell me what your interest is. The reason why I suggested it was I was having a discussion with all my colleagues about um, longevity and, and living longer because uh, they were interested in like how diet can impact how long you, you can live. So it's, that's why I suggested it because it's a pretty interesting subject. And yeah, so it make for a good discussion on the podcast. Cool. Yeah. And these you always get some interesting takes from the people that you work with when you're sort of sitting chatting over coffee with you know, random other scientists and engineers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So... Ellie, you work in science communication and your background is in zoology, so you've probably come across some studies on this, right? Yeah, there are loads of studies actually on longevity and also kind of fun species that you wouldn't expect would have a record for living the longest. So yeah, there's loads of studies and it's really interesting to look into why they can live so long as well. All right, so tell me about an interesting study or an interesting animal that's got some sort of quirk to how it lives. Let's start with the sharks. Let's go down into the depths of the ocean. So I think Greenland sharks would probably be up there in the world's oldest living species. They say that they can live up to 500 years, but no one's sort of lived long enough to double check because obviously people don't live 500 years. <laughs> yeah. But they're really interesting. And they also say that you can tell how old they are. Um, radiation. I don't know a ton about radiation, but apparently they're big world events where lots of radiation happened like got into the water and then gets into the sharks and like the rings of a tree you can like backdate how old the sharks are by atomic bombs and the radiation left over in their cells which is wild Ooh, to me nice yeah so we haven't been detonating atomic bombs for that long not as long as some sharks are so there must be more to it i would guess carbon dating yeah i would have thought so but then also i feel like it's a bit mean right because to know how old it is you have to then maybe potentially kill it or i suppose you could take a sample yeah i know that for certain types of whales like they know they're old like over 100 years old based on the fact that some whales have been found to have like really old harpoons stuck into their side yeah that does sound a little bit unfortunate i guess because it's a direct yeah. human activity that has harmed the whale but how interesting that it's still i want to say happily swimming around it might not be that happy <laughs> you just can't get this thing out of its back <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so with the sharks they tested the eye lenses of these greenland sharks for their radiocarbon levels and stable isotope yeah and apparently they found metabolically inert crystalline proteins and then the tissue retains proteins synthesized at approximately like less than one year old and then by looking at that you can know how old the animal is oh, okay you always hear that your entire body renews itself every however many months or whatever it is depending on which organ you're looking at in the body i mean that's not that's a crystal that's um produced by the body somehow right so it's slightly different yeah but still i would have thought it would try and get rid of that crystal in some way but i guess it that's can't. so true you'd think it would like regenerate you know like you're constantly regenerating your skin but then your eyeballs don't grow do they this is like a fun science fact this is why babies have such big eyes because your eyeballs are a fixed size mm. the moment you're born and they don't grow so maybe it's like a similar thing is that they don't regenerate which is potentially why people get such terrible um like eye problems later in life because you're not constantly replacing those cells. But that is pure speculation. I don't know if that's true. 
So the method of like testing or trying to tell how old these Greenland sharks are based on like samples from the ice, can this also be applied to humans? Oh, I don't know. I don't think anyone's tried it. <laughs> Specific <laughs> crystal in the shark, that's it. Yeah, maybe. Also, those sharks get like, oh, what do you call it? Parasites, don't they, in their eyes? And quite a lot of those sharks uh, become blind. Yeah, that's why their eyes are like luminescent. So if you look up like pictures of Greenland sharks, they've got really creepy eyes because they're so bright. Because the parasites. Yeah, they're <laughs> the parasites. parasites. It's really, it's weird. Yeah. And they're like only evolved to live on the eyes of Greenland sharks. Yeah, but I guess that's because they live really long. I mean, maybe. Yeah. If you, you know, get 500 years out of one host, that's pretty good going. Not good for the Greenland shark, though. I feel like we could do an entire episode on just these sharks' eyes, but we should maybe move on. We might come back to the the idea (laughs) that their eyes don't age. I mean, sharks as a species have been around since the dinosaurs and they're still around. Maybe for Shark Week. We'll talk about sharks. Oh my god, yes, let's do a Shark Week episode. Please, that would be so good. Uh, but are there any species that, I don't know, are either long-lived in a different way or conversely just age really quickly or something else that's uh, not sharky to talk about? <laughs> uh, well, I've got tortoise for you if you want to go to a more land-based creature. Sure. So, Jonathan the tortoise, I absolutely love this story. So he's a bit of a... Well, people celebrate him. He's in the Guinness World Records. Apparently, he's 191 years old. He's still going. He's still alive. He lives in St. Helena in the tropical islands. He was given as a gift to the governor of St. Helena. And this was in 1882, right? So he was given as a gift and he was full grown at that stage. So experts reckon he was 50 in 1882 so that's how they've got to the point of him being 191 today but also no one can tell you exactly the day on which Jonathan hatched so he was granted an official birthday on December 4th uh that's his official birthday but no one knows his actual birthday they could test his eyes for those crystals (laughs) (laughs) leave Jonathan's eyes alone he's so precious that would be too mean uh lives in the garden of the governor of St Helena's house and he is in the company of three other tortoises who he regularly tries to mate with, which, you know, he's still going strong <laughs> at 191. May we all be that virile. When we're 190 years old. Exactly. So I guess that's quite a unique case, because I would imagine if you're you're effectively royalty, right? Yeah. You get all the best things, so you're well, really well treated. So in comparison to the sharks that are out in the wild, you probably would live longer. Yeah, that's true. If you Google literally any animal species, it will be like, In captivity, these animals live 10 to 15 years. In the wild, they live maybe seven to nine years because it's obviously much harder to survive when you don't have lots of vets and people feeding you. It's like a start I saw about cats. So like if like so for house cats, if you have an entirely housebound cat, they can live for up to 18 years. But if you have your house cat and you let them go outside, it's like around 18 months is the average because there's a lot of stuff that could kill your cat outside but i imagine most people's house cats that then go outside in the day probably last longer than 18 months well i would hope so but i guess if you average it out so that's sharks tortoises and cats strangely (laughs) yeah cats (laughs) anything else that you want to mention before you move away from the whole we know how old some really old animals are oh we've got to mention ming the clam so ming the clam was apparently 507 when he died he was accidentally killed yeah this is what i was gonna say we accidentally killed ming not knowing that he was 507 and potentially could have lived another 507 years and artificially ended his life early because we wanted to tell how old he was 
the idea was that because he's a clam, they were like, oh, let's let's open him up and see what happens. But in then doing so, uh, he did not survive the experience. But being 507 is pretty cool. And they didn't know he was that old when they accidentally killed him. Yeah, they thought he was 400-something years old. But I guess they learned something by unintentionally putting an end to his life. Yeah, how to not kill clams. <laughs> yeah, so that would mean that he was swimming in the ocean before... Henry VIII was king. 1499 was the year of his alleged birth. That is pretty weird to think about, that Ming the Clam has seen all of these things that we can only ever read about. I wonder what you could tell us if he was still alive. (laughs) Well, this is the thing about Jonathan, because he's 191, right? So he predates Howard Flight by the Wright brothers. Which is wild. It is. something to consider when we get on to thinking about would we really want to live forever? How long would we want to live? But uh, Jasmine, you mentioned some really, really long-lived stuff. Do you want to... Yeah. So we talked about animals that can live for hundreds of years. But um, in theory, there's an animal that can actually live forever. It's called the immortal jellyfish. And scientists think it could live forever because it has this really unique ability in, in which it can revert back to its juvenile state when it's stressed or injured. But outside of, like, animals, there are, I guess you could say, like plants that are thousands and thousands of years old. So there's a volcano sponges that are estimated to be around 15,000 years old. Uh, they live in the depths of the ocean. There's also Pando in Sevier in Utah, which is a series of trees that are estimated to be 9,000 to 14,000 years old. Wow. They're all clones of each other. It's one entire living organism, which is like... 47,000 trees or something. And some of the trees are estimated to be over 100 years old, but the root system is the part that's estimated to be 9,000 to 14,000 years old. And not quite as old, but there's also the H and Bristlecone pine tree, which is in California. It's in an area of California which you're not really allowed to go to, and also no one's going to tell you where this tree is because it's so old. Um, (laughs) But it's estimated to be around 5,000 years old. So, yeah, there's some, like, really old, like things on this planet that are still alive i mean when you think about it so obviously animals can run away from danger but plants can't necessarily no. usually not <laughs> no <laughs> usually but they've still managed to survive way longer than most of the animals we've just talked about yeah i think pando is so cool for that reason because it's still going like we yeah. haven't chopped it down which is like our typical default when we come across large amounts of trees and it's really big, like it covers a huge area. Yeah, you've got to wonder if the ability to clone yourself has something to do with it. Like how many of those individual clones died off along the way? Ooh, yeah, that's true. Does it still mm. count then? If it's not everybody, every individual clone still going? Do you see, like if we killed it off theoretically and there was one tree left, is that still, however, 9,000 years old? I guess it's the roots, isn't it? It's the root network that's 9,000 to 14,000 years old. So the individual trees like can be up to 130 they think but it's the root network that's just super super old it's managed to survive a lot i guess getting away from the whole cloning thing you've you've got to wonder what makes some things or an individual live longer than others within its own species so obviously there are some sharks that are probably longer lived than others say and you've got to guess that it's probably some sort of combination of genetics and the environment they live in wouldn't you say yeah, for sure. So there was like some studies where they tried to like see the impact of stress on, it was on trees. So they planted trees in a completely stress-free environment, so basically no wind. And they found that the trees were so fragile that they just like basically topple or they couldn't support their own weight because turns out trees do need like certain amount of stress so that they can like build 
build res resilience, which for them is wind. So like an analogy for like humans would be like exercise makes you stronger, <laughs> even though you feel really tired after you've done but it. The, I mean, that's what they tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but the exercise also causes you stress. I've yeah. been reading about quite a lot of studies on this that um essentially your body sends out all these repair signals some of the things i were reading got really really specific like individual mitochondria in certain parts of the body send out signals which kicks off this whole cascade of other things is this why i'm so tired after parkrun every week because like my mitochondria are just absolutely exhausted and i need 17 million cells to be repaired <laughs> you would think they'd adapt eventually i would hope so i'm still waiting but i'll keep you posted <laughs> I was also reading about something called the Dog Aging Project, which sounds incredibly different to most of the things I've read about. Essentially, this project recruits people from all over the world to basically analyse things their dog does and they aggregate all this information. So they're sort of crowdsourcing science. And yeah, they also saw that dogs that were fed once a day, I think it was they were 8% statistically more likely to live longer than dogs that were fed more often. And again, the idea is that you get hungry and your body sends out all these signals saying, do things differently because we don't have enough nutrients coming in. Fasting is something that's been like looked into in terms of like whether or not it improves lifespan. And there is actually some evidence in it, especially recently. It was apparently headline news that Rishi Sunak fasts. So there was like a lot of science. But also there was a Cambridge study that came out fairly recently. So that gave it some extra publicity. Basically, they found that fasting can help reduce inflammation in the body. It's related to a particular like inflammasome, which is a really important inflammasome for like causing diseases like um, Alzheimer's and other age-related diseases. So they found that from fasting or like restricting calorie intake, it increased levels of a lipid called, I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, even though I've listened to a bunch <laughs> of podcasts where they talk about it, arachidonic acid. I'll go with that. Is that how it's pronounced? I've genuinely no idea. It sounds right. It sounds sensible. We, we believe you. <laughs> Cool. Basically, they found that when you restrict calorie intake, this lipid turns down the activity of the LRP3 inflammasome, so it like suppresses or reduces inflammation, uh, which is a good thing because it helps prevent some of the diseases that, are, that can be caused by inflammation. But yeah, there's like proof that fasting does help, but like it's really complicated to like separate out whether or not it's a fasting or whether it's other like lifestyle choices. Because if you're fasting, you're probably also doing other things that might be healthy, like exercising and like eating a balanced diet. Yeah, I can see why that would work. But also because the way I think of fasting is people that are trying to lose weight. So then if you're like on that sort of health kick, you could see how that would like have a knock-on effect to just making you healthier in general and then potentially live longer. That's where some lab studies can come in. So when I was talking about mitochondria that send out this repair signal, they were looking at this specific type of worm that seems to be quite famous for being analysed for like, genetic traits and expression of genes and how they sort of cascade out. So it was back in, I think it was 1993, there was this sort of breakthrough study that found that um, if they exposed the worm to certain mutagens, so DNA dam damaging agents, there was a gene that was made defective, which then led these worms to live twice as long as those with a working gene. And the gene seems to code for something that is an insulin receptor in cells. So essentially, by giving it some DNA damage, 
and creating a stress response, they made the worm live longer. Which is completely contrary to what you would believe, right? You'd think exactly. less stress worms would live longer. Yeah, and again, it sent out all these sort of help me repair signals through its body. <laughs> Similar to the mitochondrial study, which came out, I think it was a month or two ago. So really, really recent work. So I'm still looking at these worms now, even though it's like 20 odd years later. So are we just learning that a little bit of stress is good for you? Might help you live longer? Yeah, like with those trees that need wind, otherwise they will collapse under their own weight. Yeah, I mean, I imagine these things have been generally known for quite a while, but it's getting into the specifics. It's what exactly do all these biochemical pathways do? Because it's not just down to one gene or a collection of genes. It's how the genes influence things and influence each other. I was reading like these fairly simplistic summaries of the research, and I just thought even the simple things sound really complicated. There's a lot going on, and a lot of really complicated names. But you've got to wonder, right, though, is there the, the potentially immortal jellyfish that you mentioned a while ago? Yeah. How do they do it? How do they are they always under some sort of slight stress, or have they kind of cracked this hole? Will we definitely need to send out these signals and do these biochemical things all of the time? So if you imagine like a typical jellyfish shape with the dome on top and then the tentacles, typically those medusa they're called sink to the ocean floor, and then in a normal jellyfish species it would just decay. But the cells re-aggregate within the medusa and they don't make a new dome bit. They make polyps, which is like an early stage of jellyfish life cycle. So it just, instead of dying, it goes back to being a polyp. And then from these polyps emerge new Medusa jellyfish. But the biomechanics involved, I have no idea what they would be. It must be so complicated. I think people are still studying it. If they had cracked it, I'm pretty sure people would be trying to figure out how they could apply it to humans. So we could like Benjamin Button ourselves. (laughs) Yeah, you could just keep going back, right? You just, but I mean, jellyfish are weird. It's not like it's applicable to people. And also, like, would you want to be in the body of a child with the same, like, mind of, like, an old person? That sounds like a nightmare, having to go through puberty again. (laughs) Like, oh, like a vampire, interview the vampire, the the small girl. Yeah. That was, like, 100 years old and still a child. Yeah, or number number five in Umbrella Academy. Mm, Yeah. Because like ages and he goes back in time, but then he goes back to his like 12 year old body. That must be really upsetting to be like 500 and be like in the body of a teenager. That's that's not what you want, is it? There are benefits, I guess. You'd be like fitter and able to, I don't know, eat and drink as much as you wanted and metabolize it potentially. <laughs> I mean, that's true. You'd rather be 17 than 70, like, and be 100 in your body, in your mind. Yeah. But what you were saying about the jellyfish regressing to be really juvenile, that kind of matches something I read in this mitochondrial study that I will stop referring to. (laughs) I'm intrigued to read it now. I'm going to have to dive deep. Yeah, The only like most in-depth word I could find about what happens to the jellyfish is this process called cellular cellular transdifferation, where the cells physically change from one type to another, making a completely new body plan from the minusa back into the polyps. But yeah, I couldn't find anything more in-depth than that. Now, so what this mitochondrial study was saying in these worms was that when mitochondria in their brain cells are damaged, they trigger this repair response. But the molecule they send out that says, help, repair me, is the same molecule that sends signals during embryo development. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, and there's this whole thing of like, so why don't you then start doing the embryo development stuff? Why do you just do this repair thing? And they think it's something to do with um, your reproductive cells or your germline, so either your eggs or your sperm. They intercept this signal and then modify it somehow. Mm. Uh, it could be related to the jellyfish regressing. 
jellyfish don't do eggs and sperm either. So then, I mean, who knows what's going on with jellyfish? They're such weird little guys. But yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I think you'd have to go back to evolutionary paths. So apparently mitochondria originally started off as just bacteria living free in wilds. That we like absorbed, which I think is so cool. <laughs> and then they like made them into our cells. We were like, oh, we'll just have that. And then we'll just use that forever and it become part of our DNA. Wild. Yeah, interesting to see if you could apply any of this to humans as well. Yeah, there's that guy, isn't there, that like wants to live forever. Oh. He's like doing crazy things. Which guy? There's a lot of guys. Oh, one of those American billionaire types. Is he the one who's injecting him? Well, injecting himself, but he's like giving himself blood transfusions using his teenage son's blood. Oh my God. I mean, wow. probably that sounds up the right stream. Sounds like craziness. Is there any scientific evidence for that working? Apparently it is. It's related to the platelets. But it only like works if you have the blood from a teenager. Oh, this is getting a bit... Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> a bit too creepy. But then again, you can get blood transfusions if you need one for medical reasons. Yeah, but this is entirely for vanity. Yeah. <laughs> from what I read, like the guy, he's actually very fit and healthy. So he just wants to live longer. So the millionaire billionaire guy he's also using his blood to give blood transfusions to his dad and like apparently it is doing something oh it's um brian johnson that's the guy i was thinking of he's got very strict like diet and lifestyle routine to like sort of slow down his own aging what's he doing apparently he consumes 111 pills a day and he's trying to biohack his body to age backwards two million pounds a year he's spending apparently what pills are is he eating (laughs) <laughs> I, I dread to think. Who knows what's in those pills? Uh, but he's essentially a big human experiment, I suppose. Yeah. A sample I mean, size absolutely. of one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. If he makes it to like 150, then maybe there's something in it. But is there any more solid evidence from any studies with humans that you guys are aware of? Or as far as you're aware of, all there's all this sort of scientific basis for you could live longer, perhaps, come from plants and animals? Well, there's like there were some studies done that like found that there are certain populations that tend to live longer than like surrounding populations. So these are called blue zones. The name blue zones is derived basically because the scientists who were like conducting the study they used a blue pen on the map to mark the villages where people lived longer. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's why they're called blue zones. It's nothing really exciting. <laughs> Some things that are notable about these areas are not only do the people in these places live longer than people in surrounding villages and settlements, but they also tend to like, you have a lot more people who like live over 100. There's five blue zones in the world. Okinawa Prefecture in Japan, Noro Province in Sardinia, the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica, Ikaria in Greece, but there's also uh, one in California. Yeah, Loma Linda. Loma Linda's interesting because they're mostly a really Christian community and they're also all vegetarian, which is really interesting. So if you ever see a documentary about like the benefits of being plant-based, they usually like focus on Loma Linda. So there's that Netflix show Blue Zones about these areas mm. and then there's also that twin experiment study on Netflix as well and I think one set of twins lives in Loma Linda there as well. So yeah people are scientists have been studying the peoples in these communities to figure out like what the secrets are to like live a long and healthy life and they found that part of it is genetics but the other part is like diet and lifestyle so the people in these communities tend to live a more active lifestyle because they're more rural and traditionally more agricultural cultural base with the exception of Loma Linda. General like diets 
pretty healthy there, not much processed food, and also like plenty of exercise. They did find that there might be a genetic link because they found that when they tracked people who are from these blue zones and when they've moved to like different areas, they still like lived longer than the average life expectancy outside of the blue zones. Yeah. In the documentary as well, they really focus on the like community aspect. Like Mm. people live very close to lots of family members, lots of friends that they've known for years and years. And they have that big like social dynamic within these zones, which they say potentially could be a part of it why people are living so much longer especially when you do live longer like you want to have that sense of community because like loneliness in old age is a real thing oh absolutely yes really sad you were saying there's there is possibly some genetic link i think that would be really difficult to separate out because even if you leave the blue zone you're still taking some of those behaviors and habits with you right yeah but there are some studies not exactly on people from blue zones, but mostly about how your body responds to diseases. So there's a mutation that causes a form of dwarfism. This form of dwarfism is different from the conventional dwarfism. Your proportions for your limbs and your other parts of your body, they're the same proportions as a regular person, but you're like less than four feet tall. So for that particular form of dwarfism, they found that because of the mutation, it actually like helps you in terms of not basically developing a lot of like the age-related diseases but it's to do with some kind of the proteins that your body develops as a result of the mutation one way of genetics is just like how your your immune system your body reacts to diseases if you have zero chance of developing like cancer you're gonna live longer yeah i had read i'm not entirely sure i believe this but i had read in a book about the people that developed the um, gene editing tech. There's one single gene in your body that codes for a protein that seeks out and detects tumours before they become a problem, so before they become cancer. I would question whether there is just one single gene that does something because there are so many influences, like what you eat and whatever else. It's kind of like trying to find the root cause of what causes everything else. It does kind of match with what you were saying about if you respond to diseases in a certain way, then you seem to live longer. Yeah, there's, uh, there must be because there's like things like um, the BRCA gene for like people getting breast cancer and that sort of thing. Yeah. So people are genetically more likely to get certain diseases than other people, regardless of what you eat or, you know, what your lifestyle is like. But then I don't fancy living extra long. I think I'd rather just stop when I feel good. You know, I don't want to like get old and really decrepit and not be able to leave my house and get all these horrible diseases associated with old age. Like, I don't think I want to live forever. Thanks. So some of these mechanisms, from what I was reading, are more connected to not getting old and decrepit? Okay, that sounds better. I mean, I, I'll <laughs> live forever as a 30-year-old. That seems fine. I'm not too <laughs> decrepit at this stage. Yeah, so if getting old and decrepit is essentially an accumulation of all these errors that build up in how your body functions like so what your dna does what genes are expressed and whether these proteins that they code for become damaged there's something in there about if you're able to live for longer you've got this good repair mechanism so you can repair the damage before you get to feeling decrepit okay that doesn't sound too bad i think i'd like some more of these repair repair enzymes or repair proteins i I could do with a few more but would you want to live as long as jonathan the tortoise Oh, no. I think 191 (laughs) is too much. Because the thing is, all your friends will die, right? Like, all your family would die. Unless everyone is living to 191 with you, you're not going to, there's not going to be so much to do. And also, they say that the world is getting worse, right? There's global warming, there's all these problems, yada, yada. Maybe it's better to tap out at 
you know, even 100, 70 years, I would have 70 years left. I think that would be plenty of time, to be perfectly honest. What about, what do you think about the people who, like, want to, like, live forever by, like, putting their subconscious into computers? Now, that's more fun, isn't it? That is just more fun, because then you don't have the problem of, like, getting some horrible disease, but also you get to, like, see what happened. So, like, do we get flying cars? Do we solve climate change? Does everyone end up living underwater? Do we move to Mars? Like, I would kind of like to know what happens in, like, 500 years of humanity. Yeah, I think I would as well. But for me, a lot of the joy of life comes from being really active and being able to, you know, climb a mountain if I want to or go for a walk with the dog, go and listen to what the birds are up to. They'll all be wiped out by then, Laura. I'm sorry. You've you've got no chance. If you're living next week, we won't have any birds left. (laughs) It'll just be humans. It will just be computers. And sharks. Don't forget the sharks. (laughs) Yeah, just a few Greenland sharks left swimming between these pod-like communities that we'll have to create. And those trees, the trees that don't die maybe some jellyfish maybe some yeah. jellyfish that's all that will be left one tortoise <laughs> several sharks and possibly a clam if we haven't killed them all oh that poor clam that's just the saddest story isn't it i'm not over that poor ming the clam how long could it have gone that's what i want to know and then there must be other species of that clam that are still out there still aging right it wasn't the only one yeah maybe they just aren't telling people so that no one tries to find it god that would be terrible i mean it's kind of the reason why the location of that really old tree in california isn't like the bristlecone pine tree why that's basically a secret because you don't want people going up to it and try and chop it down or cut a piece off yeah the sycamore gap tree that's so sad that's just mindless vandalism there's no reason for that it was just a nice tree everyone liked it was famous. Would you want to know how long you would live for if you could look at your genetics and say, yes, you will live until you are 92 and you will die on this day? Would you want to know? No, I don't want to know. That's horrible, isn't it? That sounds like those sci-fi <laughs> movies. I think because then you suddenly alter your life, right? You know, if someone told you you're going to die at 7.02 next Tuesday, you're going to do everything differently. You're not going to go to work tomorrow morning, are you? But it's just, yeah, I think it's worse to know. I wouldn't want to know. Don't tell me. Yeah, there's actually a, a Korean drama on Netflix, which I forget the name of, but basically, like, uh, if you get a reckoning from, I get in, in quotation marks, God, uh, you get told when you're going to die, and at that exact time, these monsters come and kill you. Ooh. I think it, oh, wait, oh, wait, it's called Hellbound. Well, it doesn't sound mega appealing, but maybe I'll give it a try. There's a cult that, like, forms, that tries to, like, preach, like, how to not basically be killed by these monsters. I suppose it's a good analogy to the sort of, like, do you try and live as healthily as possible, which is what we were saying near the start, to have a good quality of life for as long as possible? Or do you just kind of accept what's going to happen? Or do you try and fight it, like, that rich guy that's doing all sorts of weird stuff taking all these pills and injecting himself with his son's blood there's only one thing i think of where you try and fight it and people are trying to fight it for their dogs there's that like dog longevity pill it's like a new thing the company is called loyal and basically they want your dogs to be able to live longer but also live longer with a better quality of life so they've literally made beef flavored pills that you can give to your dog that in theory will help them live longer like, I don't know, what's the average lifespan of a dog? About 10 years, probably. Depends on the species. Depends on the type of dog, yeah. But, I mean, I I think it's coming from a good place, but also sometimes, you know, the best thing to do is to let the dog go when it gets old and 
old and sad but if this prevents the dog getting to that point where it's really decrepit and suffering see i've got to wonder if that drug applies to all dogs equally or because there's so much variation i think not yeah uh there's like a there's loyal one which is the first one they've done and then they've also done loyal two which is specifically for senior dogs to take and i think the dog has to weigh like something like 14 over 14 pounds um so there's like there's different categories it's not a just give it to your puppy and see what happens. Is there a weight limit for, like, how big a dog? Cause... Well, I mean, I imagine so, because being overweight is one of the, like, big causes of premature death, right? So presumably if you have an overweight dog, it's not going to live longer regardless of what medication you give it unless you also have a healthy lifestyle and diet and all the rest of it. You've, you've got to wonder if it's just a bunch of vitamins in a pill. I, do, I don't know what it's made of. Yeah, I'm really intrigued what actually is in the drug, but I guess they won't tell you because then people will rip it off. Yeah, it's potential there's more to it. We're talking about genetics being a big factor, so who knows, maybe it does some sort of gene editing type thing. <laughs> gene editing in a pill. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's the future. Maybe gene editing will be the way that we will live forever. We start messing about with our genetics. In a pill. Yeah, it could go any direction. Beef flavoured is the, uh, <laughs> the loyal one for the dogs, which I think was a nice touch. What if you've got, like, a vegetarian dog? If it's only beef flavoured. Oh, yeah, it could be one of those things where it's like those crisps, like vegetarians can eat crisps that are chicken flavoured because there's not actually any chicken in them. On that note, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. I'm not sure how we got from jellyfish living forever to chicken flavoured crisps, but welcome to another episode of Technically Speaking, everyone. That's how we roll. Yeah. So we started off by talking about some species that can live for a long time, whether they're plants or animals. And there are some that are anomalously long-lived within their own species. And we kind of discussed some of the science that it looks like genetics and biochemistry and what you eat and where you live and how you behave play a huge role. So look after yourself if you want to live for a long time. Um, we also recognise there are some environmental factors at play. It's not just genetics and what you eat. But we don't really want to live forever because essentially humans are doing terrible things to the world. So I guess if we could help try and sort that out, we might be more inclined to hang around. If we can solve climate change, that's our next task. That'll be a good <laughs> and sort out any sort of scarcity of um, resources and food and whatever else. There are a million things to go at. I don't think one person could just solve them. Solving world hunger. It always comes back to that. (laughs) So thanks for listening and stay tuned for future utterly weird conversations. The views expressed in this podcast belong entirely to the person that said them. They do not represent any industry or organisation. If you enjoyed listening to these views, it would really help us out if you could rate us, leave a review and tell a friend. This podcast was sponsored by no one, but if you're interested in funding us to continue to have frank discussions about science and engineering, please get in touch.